Yo, 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 what's going on, party people? Welcome back to the Look and Listen podcast, Emporium Shopping Center <laughs> Network. That was the word I was looking for. Look and, po- Look and Listen podcast network, South End Cinema podcast to be exact. It's your man, Leonard. I am back once again with another What I'm Watching. Um... With these, I talk about things that I've been watching recently on TV or in film. Um, Got some other stuff that I want to discuss on the feed, but right now this is what I'm doing. So we're going to get into this. Got a few things that I want to get into. And um, without further ado, let's go ahead and get with it. So the first up on my list, which I just wrote down. First thing that I wanted to discuss with you all is the series finale of Better Call Saul. Last time I spoke to you, uh, we were maybe a couple weeks away from the ending of the show. And I said that I would come back afterwards and share my thoughts on it. So, you know, I really love the way that they ended the show. Um, I think that they definitely accomplished the mission of like trying to like recontextualize what you saw with Breaking Bad. So for those who may not know, Better Call Saul is a prequel to Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was a show that was out from, I think, 2008 to 2013. Um, It's highly regarded as one of the best shows in TV history. It's the story of Walter White, um, a chemistry teacher, high school chemistry teacher who learns that he's got cancer Um, I think it's stage four cancer when he hears about it. So, you know, he thinks he's going to die and decides to, you know, use his chemistry skills and what he knows about chemistry to um, start cooking crystal meth and then sell that. And then he becomes a drug kingpin and it's a whole bunch of crazy shit, you know, throughout that series. One of the many characters that you meet in the, the course of Breaking Bad is a lawyer named Saul Goodman. And you know that that's not his real name, that it's a a pseudonym or whatever, but Saul Goodman is a very colorful character, like literally, like he wears these bright-ass suits um, and he's got these catchphrases, one of them being, hey, better call Saul. He's got these, you know, crazy TV ads and all that. And he is the lawyer that Walter and Gus Fring and some of the other characters that they have in this show, Breaking Bad, that they use to kind of get out of some of the major trouble that they could be in. You know what I'm saying? So Saul is like a really good lawyer, but, you know, he's using his his abilities for for evil in a lot of ways. You know what I'm saying? Um, So he's one of the more interesting characters that you meet on that show. And what they decided to do um, after, you know, after some years of of being away, they decided to do a Saul spinoff. So... In that spinoff, Better Call Saul, you get the story of how Jimmy McGill turned into or how he becomes Saul Goodman. You also see characters like Mike and Gus um, and a few others that were in Breaking Bad. You see what they were up to before Breaking Bad begins because Saul starts like a couple years before the Breaking Bad shit starts happening. So at the time, like I said, when we first meet Jimmy, He's not he's not Saul Goodman yet. He's still going by Jimmy McGill. As a matter of fact, I don't think he becomes Saul 
until maybe like the third or fourth season of the show. There were six seasons total. Breaking Bad was five. Excuse me, Saul gave us six seasons. Um, so he wasn't even, you know, going by the name Saul Goodman until about halfway through the show. Um, what they also do is they show us what happens after Breaking Bad. So on the show Breaking Bad, um, where that ends is like, I think they said it was about September of 2010. So all the events of Breaking Bad, you know, take place um, for probably like a maybe about a two or three year span or something like that, um, ending in about September of that year of 2010. Um, and then where they pick up at, actually, if I'm not mistaken, the first images that you see on Better Call Saul are of Saul Goodman, a.k.a. Jimmy McGill, working at a, a Cinnabon in Omaha, Nebraska, going by the name Gene Takovic. And all of this stuff is supposed to take place probably starting around like October of 2010. So this is what's happening afterwards. And they show all of the Gene stuff in black and white. So everything in Breaking Bad was in color. Everything in the Saul timeline was in color. All the Gene stuff that you see is in black and white. So we get him, um, you know, living this really dull, boring life you know, as he's hiding out in Nebraska, um, going by the name of Gene Takovic. Then they take us back a few years to where all this shit begins. And like I said, you see how Jimmy, you know, transitions. Basically what happens is, you know, he's got an older brother named Chuck. Um, I don't think Chuck ever really loved him. You know, that's debatable, I guess, but Chuck is probably about 10 years older, so there's a pretty significant gap in age between the two of them. Chuck is a, you know, he's a very complex character. I was on the, the fuck Chuck <laughs> bandwagon, you know what I'm saying? There, there's a there's a, a, a section of the fandom that really doesn't fuck with Chuck like that. I'm on that, I'm on that train, um, even though I can kind of understand part of it. Part Because part of what he, what his thing was, was like, so Chuck is like, he was the only child for like 10 years. Then Jimmy comes along and starts getting his parents' attention. And, you know, he's a mischievous little kid and all that kind of stuff. So he's kind of always getting in and out of trouble. Nothing major, but, you know what I'm saying, he's always there's always something with him. Um, and Chuck, you know, really turns his nose up at that. He becomes a lawyer. And, um, you know, they, they go on and eventually, you know, eventually... You know, Jimmy keeps having these little scrape ups with the law and stuff like that. So he decides, you know what, I need to I need to tighten up. I need to get my shit together. And he actually, you know, I think put himself through law school and became a lawyer as well. And a lot of it was to get Chuck's approval to be like, yo, you know, what I'm saying I've, I've gotten my stuff together. Hey, I'm a lawyer just like you are, you know, all that kind of stuff. Chuck wasn't really fucking with that. He never really, he, there's a line somewhere in, in one of the first few seasons, um, you know, where he tells Jimmy straight up giving you a law degree is like giving a chimp a machine gun. And, you know, even though I really don't like Chuck, you know, he was right. You know what I'm saying? Because when you look at what Saul Goodman becomes and the things that he's done, yeah, he really does use the law for a lot of terrible shit. But Chuck was a very hypocritical type of person. You know what I'm saying? He was... He had his shit too, like we all do, right? Um, but he was very self-righteous and all that. He also has, um, I don't know if it's actually a physical 
issue or if it was a mental issue that became physical. So Chuck had this thing where he um he didn't like electricity. He felt like he had a very hypersensitive um like allergy to electricity and electronics. So he like if you were to go to his house at some point he stopped turning the lights on. You know what I'm saying? He's using these lanterns to light up the house. Um, very little electricity is, is running in Chuck's house. If you come to, if you go over there, you got to leave your cell phone outside, you know, um, all kinds of things like that. Right. Um, and Jimmy was, you know, trying to help take care of him and, and he did a lot of shopping for him and, you know, cause eventually Chuck becomes a recluse. Like he, he hardly ever leaves the house and, you know, he's got this, um, this, this like blanket, we call it like the space blanket. It's like that he thought was like to protect him from, you know, the electricity and all that kind of stuff. So, um, like I said, I don't know if it was actually a physical thing or if it was something that, you know, he had some kind of mental, um, you know, mental health crisis or situation that ended up causing him to believe that he had this hypersensitivity, but because he believed it so strongly, it ended up becoming his reality. Not really sure how that actually worked out, but whatever the case may be, he had this hypersensitivity to this stuff. But I, I think that there are a lot of examples throughout the show where he legitimately was going through it, but I think he also knew how to use that to manipulate people in situations as well. They had a very complex toxic relationship um many times you know they 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 said some really foul fucked up shit to each other um you know and it just seemed like the type of thing where like if they were actually able to sit down and have a conversation it, it wouldn't be one conversation like they're not going to be able to hash out all the issues like in an hour but if they would have actually taken the time to go to therapy probably individually and together that they might have been able to to, to patch things up um, and, and move on from whatever their issues were, right? So there's the stuff with Chuck being rejected by him, you know, all the ill feelings, the bad blood that they had back and forth in their sort of like sibling sibling rivalry and all that. You know, you meet Kim Wexler, that's um, Jimmy's girl, you know what I'm saying? They met um, you know, at, at work and they ended up, you know, becoming great friends. And then eventually they started, you know, messing around and, you know, they end up getting married and so on. And, you know, there's, you know, things that happen, you know, along the course of their relationship, um, as it falls apart later in the series where you see where Saul comes from, where Saul comes from. Saul is basically a coping mechanism for Jimmy. Like, he doesn't really do well with, you know, handling his problems and his issues and things like that. You know, so instead he kind of gets into trouble or he gets into these schemes and, you know, because he has a, a nickname, Slipping Jimmy, you know, where he, you know, he's out there scheming and doing all kind of, you know, crazy shit like that. So Saul Goodman is basically a way for him to block all that stuff out, not have to deal with it. I can just do this, focus on this. And, you know, so, um, but yeah, the, the show did a great job of bringing all of that to light, ex really explaining how this man became who he, who he ended up being. Um, you see the same thing, you get more detail and more information about Mike. Mike is a very serious main character 
over in Breaking Bad. Um, he's like Gus uh, Gustavo Frings. It's like basically his head of security, you know, kind of like Gus's right hand man. So you learn a lot more about those two guys, how their relationship, you know, basically where they were before they ended up getting together and working together and all the steps that it took for that to happen. Um, so Saul was a great way of sort of giving you information about, you know, where we were before Breaking Bad. Um, for example, there's a scene um, in Breaking Bad um, where Walter and Jesse kidnaps Saul and they've got a, a hole and they, they've dug a hole like a grave and they kidnap him. They bring him out to this thing. Um, you know, they've got a bag over his head or whatever. They take the bag off. He sees the, the grave that they've dug for him and everything. And they're holding guns to him. And he's scared shitless as anybody would be, right? And he's like, oh my God, you know, it wasn't me. It was it was Ignacio. Wait, did Lalo send you guys? At the time when you saw that on Breaking Bad, those were just names. You didn't know who those people were. Better Call Saul actually showed you who they were. So we meet Ignacio, a.k.a. Nacho. He was one of the best characters on Better Call Saul. So you see who that is. You know, did Lalo send you? We didn't know who Lalo was. We see on um, Better Call Saul who the fuck Lalo is and why he would be definitely afraid of that. I mean, no matter who, you know, no matter why you think you're in that situation, if you're in a situation where somebody has dug a grave for you and they kidnap you and, and you know, all of that, you're going to be scared, right? But to specifically be like, yo, did Lalo send you? Well, now we know who Lalo is and why he would think that this person would do that to him. You know what I mean? So it gives you context um, and, and it shows you, you know, why he would feel that way or whatever. So Better Call Saul had a great ending. I love the way that they were able to weave the three different timelines. There's a point, you know, towards the end of the last season where they... um where they finally catch up to the Breaking Bad stuff. So you get um, you get some scenes with Walter White. You get some scenes with Jesse. Um, you know, uh, this guy named Emilio who got really fucked up. <laughs> and Breaking Bad, Emilio ended up dying. And then, you know, they try to get rid of his body by, um, like, they poured acid on him. And they were trying to, like, dissolve his body. And that, that ended up being a disaster. So I really love how they went from what was before the Breaking Bad timeline. They merged with the Breaking Bad timeline. And then they showed you what Jimmy's life, a.k.a. Gene at this point, what he was up to after Breaking Bad. Um, and the way that they wrapped it up with the with the last few scenes, the final episode, really, um, I thought it was brilliant. It was, it was incredible to watch. And I highly recommend it to anybody that's out there that's listening. I didn't really want to get too far into like details because just in case anybody out there is listening to this and they haven't, you know, seen either one of those shows and they don't know, you know, the way that they end or whatever. I don't want to spoil it for you, even though Breaking Bad has been off the air for a long time. Like I said, I think it ended in 2013. It's 22 now. And Saw ended, you know, maybe like a month or two ago, something like that. Now, this is September that I'm recording this. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, excuse me. I had to take a call real quick. But, yeah, I just didn't want to. I don't want to go too far into detail. 
like I said, um, Saul has been over for maybe like a month or so, and um, Breaking Bad has been gone for a long time, but you never know who may be out there listening. So, you know, I don't want to spoil anything major for you, but I highly recommend both of them. Um, I think that, you know, both shows are great. I don't, I don't think that it's, you know, just because I just finished watching Saul, but I think Saul actually might be slightly better than Breaking Bad. You know, if you were to ask me which one, you know, which one was better or whatever, um, I would tell you that they're both great, but I think that Saul is slightly better. And I think the reason for that is because everybody that's involved with the show is like mostly the same, you know, the, the main people, the showrunner and the writers and, you know, people like that. Of course, um, Bob Odenkirk, who plays Saul and, you know, um, you know, some of the other actors are all the same. But I think that they're just they're better at making TV than they were when they did Breaking Bad. They, they saw all the things that they did right and wrong with Breaking Bad, and they had a chance to not really go back and fix anything, but, you know, you just have the experience, you know what I'm saying? They say their experience is the best teacher, so the experience of making Breaking Bad had definitely contributed to the experience of, of making Saul. So I think that they did an A-plus job. I, I definitely recommend it if you haven't watched either one of them, um, or if you saw Breaking Bad but you haven't started Saul, then watch it. But just don't expect it to be Breaking Bad. It's not Breaking Bad. It's not that show at all. Um, it's got its own vibe, its own rhythm and all of that. But, you know, incredible TV. Uh, next up, Only Murders in the Building. Last time we left off, left off, we were near the end of the second season of Only Murders in the Building. Now that's over with. Thought it was good, man. Um... You know, the way that they ended the season, again, I won't, you know, go all the way into it right now because, it's, you know, there may still be some people out there that are trying to, um, you know, find new things to watch and all of that. So if you're if you're out there and, you know, Only Murders is, is on your list or if it's something that you're currently watching, I won't go too far into it. But I like the fact that this season, every week we were really wondering who done it. You know what I'm saying? Like. I think with the first season, you know, the murder mystery was obviously the point of the show, but we were also trying to learn like the characters like Mabel, Charles and Oliver. We were trying to kind of figure out who they were. You know, that's the thing with first seasons and we'll we'll get to um, House of the Dragon in a little while and we'll talk about how first seasons go. But I think in general, you know, with the exception of a show like Breaking Bad, which I just talked about. I would say most most of the time when it comes to you watching a brand new show, um, whether it's you know brand brand new or if it's just new to you, when it comes to settling into a new show, I, I would say that on average, most of the time it's probably going to take you about a season to really get into it and see what they're about and whether or not it's for you. Um, obviously, you can make a decision about that before that as well, but I think if you're really being fair... They probably need about a season to really kind of establish themselves and set up the world and, and you know, introduce you to the characters. Because, you know, there's so much information that you got to get while also trying to, you know, you know, get into this thing. Right. So with the first season of Only Murders, like I said, we were trying to learn who these characters were, learn about the building, um, some of the side characters, all that kind of thing. 
then they eventually, you know, reveal who killed, um, who killed the person. And okay, that made sense. You know, it was kind of like a linear thing. And then eventually, like when they, when they start breaking, breaking everything down, it's like, you know what? Okay. Yeah. Cause I remember when this happened and you know what I mean? You can kind of piece it together like that. This season, they're trying to solve, um, you know, who killed the person in this season. And I think from week to week, you know, you're still like, I don't know who it was. Like they're, they're kind of steering you in certain directions at times. Like, yo, I think it might be this. There were different times throughout the course of the, the, uh, the season where, um, I felt like, <laughs> excuse me, where I felt like, oh, it could be this person or that person. I ended up, you know, thinking, okay, well, it's probably not like just one person, like one person committed the crime, but I'm thinking, okay, well, there were multiple people involved in it. So it's probably like a conspiracy type of thing. Um, but I like how they kind of kept you on your toes the entire time. And then, you know, I will say that although the, the, the reveal at the end of who actually did it and why made sense, um, it kind of needed a little bit more time. I feel like they needed a bit more time to kind of flesh it out and maybe make it make sense a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? I hope you, you get where I'm coming from with that. Right. Like, Okay, yeah, so they're saying that so-and-so did it. Okay, yeah, I could see that. But maybe a little bit more time to explain why that was would have made it a bit more believable or, you know, you would have been a bit more comfortable with that being the end result. But thought it was a good season. They got renewed for another one, so I'm looking forward to season three whenever that drops. Um, and if you don't know, Only Murders in the Building comes on Hulu. So uh, tune in and check that out. Um, third on the list, Prey, another Hulu joint. Uh, this is a prequel to the Predator films. You know, a lot of people remember the Predator movies, which started in the 80s and they've been making them, you know, ever since then. Well, this is a, a prequel to all of that. So now in this film, we're in the year 1719, um, Native Americans, are out here. It's a story of a young woman named Naru um, and her family. And um, the predator in this film gets dropped off. And he's different than the ones that we've seen in the other movies. He looks different. His weapons are different. And what I really like about it is a couple of things that I really like about the film. Um, one thing being that, like I said, the design of the predator was different. So anybody that's seen Predator movies, you know, we, we know that there are, I guess the species is the same, but there's different versions of, I think they're called the Yaucha. Um, they have different looks, kind of like depending on where they are from um, on that planet or whatever. So they don't all look identical, but they've all got a very similar look. They've all got, you know, we will call them locks, right? They like, they look like they got locks hanging. Um, they have these like mandibles that, you know, come out from the side of their face. You know, they real ugly motherfuckers. I think they said that. Um, <laughs> I think Arnold said that in the original joint. Like, you one ugly motherfucker. And that is, that is correct. Even the one in this one, he ugly, yo. But he's got a different look. Um, actually, his, his body seems to be a bit leaner. He seems to be a bit taller than the ones that we've seen before. And like I said, because 
it was, you know, 300 plus years in the past, his weapons are different. They're still way more advanced than any, anything that the humans have because the natives, the Comanche, shout out to the Comanche people, the Comanche people that we see in this, you know, they've got bows and arrows and axes and um, sticks and clubs and, you know, just things like that. Um, there's some, uh, some colonizers that we see, some French colonizers that we end up seeing in the joint. They've got guns, they got muskets and, you know, early versions of pistol pistols. Um, so those are the only guns that you see. The Predator doesn't even have guns. So like that famous lay, uh, like shoulder cannon that the joint has in the um, original film with, with, uh, with Arnold and that we see in some of the other ones, he doesn't even have that. He's got a shield. He's got um, basically like spears and, you know, other stuff like that. So even his weapons are not as advanced as, you know, his, you know, the, the people that the, the Yaucha that come after him. But he's, like I said, still way more advanced than any of these niggas that he's fighting. Um, and what I like about it is that they drop him off and you see him because the whole thing with the Predators is like, they're looking for a fight. They're looking for the, the to to go head to head with the top dog wherever they are. So, you know, as he goes along, he starts seeing predator and prey situations. You know, a, a snake, you know, trying to grab a mouse. You know, a wolf chasing a rabbit. You know, so on and so forth. So he's leveling up as he starts seeing, you know, what's what. He starts leveling up like, okay, I, I can I can take that on. I can take that on. Eventually, it comes to, you know, the humans, right? So, you know, um, I like the way that his shit starts leveling up. But I got to give much love to my girl, Naru. Um, she is a really great main character. There's, there's not a ton of dialogue. I watched the English version. I've heard that there's also a version um, where it's in Comanche, so all of the, the speaking parts, except for the um, the French guys, they're speaking French, of course, but um, and a little bit of English, but all of the stuff that is in English in this other version is spoken in Comanche, and then you read the English subtitles. But I watched the English version, so um, and I think they actually had the actors uh, perform it in each language. So they're saying their their parts in Comanche in that version. And then they say their same lines over again in English for the English version. Um, but I love the way that, you know, because it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, sexism, patriarchy, all that shit has been around since <laughs> the early days of human history or whatever. So it's no different there. You know, they 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 think women are only supposed to have certain roles and, you know, you're supposed to be a mother and, you know, you cook and you clean and you do this and all that. And the men go out and hunt and we go out and do this and that. Well, you know, she's the type of young lady who's like, I don't want to just do that. I want to just do the medicine and, and, you know, have a bunch of babies and cook all the food and all that. You know, I want to hunt. I know how to hunt. And, you know, her brother is, you know... um you know, a young warrior dude who's coming for the title of, you know, like war chief and everything. And they have a really good relationship. Um, but, you know, some of the other guys around, you know, they, they, they on that bullshit. But she proves herself. You know what I'm saying? She ends up proving herself. And um, 
what I really like about her is that not just like sort of the makeup of her character and sort of like the the kind of um, the way that she's kind of, you know, going against the grain. But I like how intelligent she is, because as you watch the movie again, you know, I won't get too, too, too deep into it or whatever. But as you watch the movie, you see like she's leveling up as well. When she comes across the predator, she starts noticing certain things about him. And so she figures out ways to counter that. And these are things that you saw with her early on, even before she even, you know, saw that dude. Like, you know, she's learning about how to hunt. You know, they got like mountain lions and stuff like that. She's learning how to hunt and she's learning how to, you know, handle herself in these situations. So she applies that to, you know, okay, I got to go up against this thing, whatever this thing is. And, you know, the way that she handles her business and um, the way that things go down as the movie continues to go on, I thought it was excellent. And, um, I, you know, I, I saw a lot of people online talking about it and I've even thought about it and talked about it like with my coworkers and stuff. Like, yo, how dope would it be to kind of see them do more of this? I don't know if they're planning on doing a sequel to this, but you could do this with other periods of time, right? So like, this is 1700s early America. You could you could send the predator to the Roman times, like you know Sparta and all that type of shit. You could send him over to Africa and have him fucking with Shaka Zulu, Zulu, and all the folks out there. You know what I'm saying? You could have him go to you know Japan to fight against samurai. Like you know, there's there's all these different you know points in history that it would be really cool to see a predator drop down and go up against the people that were living in that time in that uh in that place at that time so highly recommend pray they put it out on hulu um it, it just went straight there but honestly if this was a movie that was out of the theater somewhere i would have gone and paid money to go see it because it was that good um next up speaking of you know the patriarchy and you know, women bucking the trend and, and deciding that they don't want to necessarily live a particular lifestyle. Um, I got my moms watching Game of Thrones, y'all. We watching them thrones. So we're in the first season. Uh, so far, we've seen the first five episodes. And um, she seems to be into it so far. You know, there's a long way to go. Obviously, Game of Thrones had... <laughs> eight seasons so we're only five episodes into that but i'm glad that she seems to be into it she seems to be like feeling the way that she should feel about people like she already knows people like cersei and joffrey and Littlefinger. she already knows they ain't shit um <laughs> and i think she she likes Arya. she did say you know she feels like sansa is kind of you know naive and all that kind of stuff which she was at that time but um, you know, those of y'all that, that fuck with me on Twitter and, and know me for real or whatever, know that, you know, when I first watched Game of Thrones, um, you know, I didn't fuck with Sansa until like season seven. Cause I did think that she was weak and she was, you know, all these bad things. But then I realized that, you know, everybody loves Arya, right? Like we all loved Arya from the beginning, but the the kind of strength and the personality that Arya has is what suits her. 
Sansa ends up, you know, showing a great amount of strength and, and resilience and all that kind of stuff as well. But it's a different situation for her. You know, um, the things that she experienced and the things that she was saw and the, the terrible things that happened to her over the course of her life and, and where she was being stuck in King's Landing for a while and then, you know, being with Littlefinger for a while and stuff like that. Like she she really could not afford to do some of the things that, you know, we feel like Arya would have done. Because if she would have done some of those things, then they'd have chopped her fucking head off like they chopped her pop's head off. You know what I mean? So um, I'm glad to say that Moms is, is, is on board right now. Like I was saying a little while ago, I think um, giving a show a full season is the way to go. Um, Breaking Bad is kind of an exception because... Like, I remember when I started watching Breaking Bad, um, I knew, like, the premise of it. I started, I binge-watched the whole series, like, not too long after it ended. I watched the whole thing on Netflix, which I think is still on Netflix right now. So, if you are interested in starting to watch that show, you should still be able to find um, the whole thing on Netflix. And all of Better Call Saul should be on there now um, as well. If not, then it will be. Last time I checked, I think it was, like, the first five seasons of Saul were still on, were all on there. So by the time you listen to this, so sometime soon, they should probably put season six up there too. Um, but Breaking Bad, like they hit the ground running. Like there was so much shit that happened in that first episode. I was like, yo, they're not fucking around. You know what I'm saying? So, but my goal with this, with her was to, and I told one of my co, well, some of my coworkers this, I was like, I think if I can get her through the first season, then we'll be good. So we're halfway through the first season and she she's with it. Um, and I've, I've been able to explain certain things to her, you know, without spoiling it, obviously, or whatever. I've been able to, like, tell her certain stuff about some of the characters and some of the things that are happening and all of that. So I, I think that's helping. So we're, like, halfway through. Um, we're going to keep on plugging. And... Um, once we get to those last couple episodes in particular, then I think she'll really be locked. Cause for me, the Ned Stark shit, that's, that's what really hooked me. When I first binged it, I wasn't watching them Thrones like when it first started. Um, you know, a friend of mine had told me about it. I used to talk to, um, some folks on Yahoo instant messenger. That's how long ago this was. Um, I ended up, uh, you know, meeting some folks off of a message board. Shout out to BGOL. <laughs> um, I used to, you know, talk to some folks from over there on Yahoo Instant Messenger. And I remember it was, I think they were going into season three at the time. And it was one of those periods um, when things, you know, slowed down at work and we really didn't have much going on. So, you know, I was kind of looking for something to entertain myself anyway, you know, like while I was at work. And um, my own girl was like, yo, you should check out Game of Thrones. You know, I, I read the books. It's great, blah, blah, blah. So I started binging it and everything like that. And, you know, being able to talk to her and have her kind of explain certain things to me was definitely a big help. And um, I was with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was cool with it, but I wasn't like all the way hooked. And then they killed Ned. And I was like, oh, shit. This is some other shit right here. Like, I was like, yo. I'm all the way in with this. So I'm really interested to see, you know, when we get uh, to that point in this season, you know, how she reacts to it. Because the way that they have it set up, you think that 
there's nothing that's going to happen to this dude. Like, yeah, there's some really tense moments and all of that. But, you know, you're assuming what the story structure is going to be. And they flip that shit on his head, which is one of the things that I really love about Game of Thrones. And one of the reasons why I feel like, you know, it's one of the greatest things that I've ever seen. And I'm one of those people. I think I feel like the majority of the audience was either cool with the way that it ended or they liked it. I think the people that are, you know, that that talked all the shit and bitched and moaned and fuck Game of Thrones and I'm not watching House of the Dragon, which we're going to transition into now. All of that, all those people that were talking all that shit, y'all were lying. Because when House of the Dragon started a few weeks ago, they hit over 10 million viewers. And the fucking HBO Max app crashed. So everybody who was like, I'm not watching House of the Dragon because the way that Game of Thrones ended was blah, blah, blah. Well, welcome to the party. We are um, three episodes in. As I'm recording this on a Saturday, episode four is tomorrow, House of the Dragon. And they've been killing it, man. I love it so far. Um, I wasn't cautiously optimistic about it or anything like that. Like I said, I feel like the way the original Them Thrones ended was was fine with me. You know what I'm saying? I feel like, and I've always said this, the pacing was the biggest issue that I had with the, the, the way that it ended. I think that they really should have going with 10 episode seasons like they had done previously, right? Seasons one through six were all 10 episodes. Season seven was seven and season eight was six. I think at that point, they were all so ready to move on that they kind of just yada yada a couple things that they probably needed a little bit more time to explain. It's like I said earlier when I was talking about Only Murders, where the way that things ended and the way that they explained it at the end was cool. I was like, okay, yeah, I could, I could get with that. But it would have been nice to hear hear that or see that fleshed out a little bit more so that it really, like, made as much sense as possible. You know what I'm saying? So I feel the same way with the way that Game of Thrones ended. Like, oh, I like where all of the pieces ended up. But with a couple of these things... It would have been nice if you had like a couple more episodes. You know, you don't even have to do a lot. But let's say, let's say they didn't want to do 10 and 10. You could have done like maybe 8 and 8. Or you could have had like season 7 go 10 episodes. And then still have season 8 be like 6. But the extra work that you need to do to sort of explain things and sort of put pieces into place and, you know, whatever else... You've already kind of taken care of that at the end of this, the seventh season. So now it's really about tying up all the loose ends in eight. But, you know, it was what it was as far as like the way that they ended up, you know, ending the story. But I thought it was good. So, you know, them Thrones has always been great with me. We always, you know, we always going to keep rocking. So House of the Dragon, it's on HBO now. Like I said, we got three of them in the book so far. Um... 10 episodes for this season and they've already been renewed for at least one more i don't know how long this is gonna go i think the difference the major difference is that with the original show you know um, george martin had written five books and he was saying that there were two more coming and actually we looked this up at work the other day and um we discovered that by the time the original game of thrones started in 2011 all five of those books had been written. So they were all out there, right? 
So he had all that time between 2011 and 2019 to finish the other two books. He never finished the books. And I think um, for the first like two or three books, it was like a two year gap in between. Then there was a part in there where there was like a maybe four or five year gap in between like book three and four or something like that. So the point is that I know that, you know, life happens and, you know, trying to write is difficult and all that kind of stuff. But when the show went off the books, which was like somewhere in like maybe mid season five, it should have never gotten to that point. Like, you know, you should have had at least one other book out, um, if not both of them in that time. The way the show ended was basically them having an outline of what's supposed to happen, but no material, no source material to go off of. So just think about that, you know, especially if you're a person who's like, man, they fucked it up at the end and blah, blah. If you're a person that leans on the negative side of that, just think about what I just said. You know, as you, it may not change how you feel about it, but it, it'll give you a different perspective, maybe a different way of looking at the situation, which goes back to what we said about Saul and Breaking Bad, right? You see Breaking Bad in a different light because of the things that happened in Saul. So when you go back and do a full rewatch of both of them, you'll, you'll have a different, you know, way of viewing what you see in Breaking Bad now because you have extra information about where all this stuff comes from and why this person is this way and so on and so forth. So I'm hoping that House of the Dragon does the same thing with Game of Thrones where, and it already is to a certain extent because now we're seeing the Targaryens. When you get to Game of Thrones, the only Targaryens that you see are of course Danny and her brother um, in the first season, her brother, and then um, Aegon, who I think is, um, not Aegon, Aemon, um, who I believe is at the wall. One of the old, old, old heads that's at the wall. So there's only like three Targaryens. And then of course, you know, eventually, you know, we find out about Jon Snow or whatever, but there's only a handful of them in that show. But in House of the Dragon, we see a whole bunch of Targaryens and they're actually the ones running shit. Like it's funny to see King's Landing and there are no Lannisters around, you know, like there's a scene in the one of the, the like the first episode of House of the Dragon where you see scaffolding on the buildings in King's Landing because they were still building the city up at the time. So and then some of the things that we see, there's a line in the first episode, like the only thing that really could stop the Targaryens, basically I'm paraphrasing it, but the only thing that could stop the House of the Dragon is itself. So we know that whatever we see on this show is going to lead to sort of a self-destructive, you know, outcome for the Targaryens, which is why we end up with only a handful of them in the original Game of Thrones. Um, so I'm hoping that in the same way that Saul really recontextualized um, Breaking Bad and really give you a better and, and much more deep appreciation for what Breaking Bad is, I hope this show does that for the original Game of Thrones. But I'm loving it so far. I'm looking forward to seeing tomorrow's episode and seeing, you know, what the rest of the season has to has to offer for us. And beyond that, the difference being that the book that this show is based off is has been completed. So there is a beginning, middle and an end that's out there. I'm not interested in looking that up, but it's out there if you want to if you want to go ahead and, and see what 
you know, what they got to say and, and what actually happened. You can get the book and read it. And, you know, there's no shortage of spoilers out there. So if you don't want to be spoiled on what exactly happens in House of the Dragon, be very careful. Like, I'll give you one example before I move on to the next thing. One of my coworkers was, we were sitting at work talking about it. And we were looking, he was like looking up the Targaryen family tree. And he said, and just looking at the family tree, he was already spoiled on a few things. So it's out there if you want, if you want it. Um, next up that I want to talk about, I want to give a, a, a rest in peace to comedian David A. Arnold. Uh, he passed away a couple days ago. It's crazy because um, I was laying in the bed the other morning. You know, it was, I had woken up, you know, but I hadn't gotten up, you know, to get ready to start officially getting ready for work. So I was just kind of laying in the bed and um, scrolling through TikTok. And no lie, I saw as I was scrolling through my following, you know, the, the people who I follow on TikTok, I was scrolling through there and I saw a video posted by David A. Arnold. And usually the videos that he posted were kind of long because it's him and his family and, you know, just talking about whatever. Or, you know, so I was like, well, I don't really feel like watching this whole video because I know it's probably going to be two or three minutes or whatever. So I scrolled past it. But then I ended up closing the app because I was like, well, let me check Twitter, you know, real quick or whatever. So I last thing that I saw before I saw the news was David A. Arnold's face. Then I click over to Twitter, randomly scroll, and the first tweet that I see, rest in peace, David Arnold. I was like, I know they're not talking about this nigga who I just saw 10 seconds ago. And I looked, I searched, started seeing people with verified accounts saying it, saw news articles, New York Times and other, you know, places that would actually have this information. And sure enough, this brother passed away. Um, apparently he died in his sleep. I feel terrible for his wife, Julie, and his daughters. Um, because if you follow him on social media, like I follow him on TikTok. I think I was on Instagram too, but I saw him mostly on um on Instagram. And if you watch his specials, he's got a couple specials on Netflix which are pretty funny. So check those out if you haven't. You know, his wife and his daughters were in all of that shit. Like, they had a very beautiful family. You know what I'm saying? It's the kind of stuff that I would like to have one day, you know, with a wife and a kid or two or whatever. Just, they seem to, you know, really get along and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just all the stuff that you dream about, you know, if, you, if you're a person that wants a family, this is what they have. And to, to see that this guy passed away was it made my heart drop man so i really you know you know i don't know if they would ever hear this or not but you know to his wife and kids and all the other loved ones you know all the other comedians and man just just condolences to y'all um and rest in peace to david a arnold all right i just wanted to you know put a little silence in there man to you know, pay my respects to that brother. It seemed like he was really about to blow too. Like that, that most recent Netflix special was, was good. And it just came out and it seemed like, you know, he was, he was really on his way to, he'd been in the game for, I think he said like at least 27 years or whatever. 
You know what I mean? So he's been around working for a long time, but you know, it seems like this was the moment that he was really starting to get a lot more attention and start to take off. And, you know, he just, I guess, passed away in his sleep. So I just wanted to show some love to him for that. A um, couple more things before we get out of here. I watched a documentary um, a couple weeks ago on Netflix called Untold, The Rise and Fall of Anne One. Untold is a series they're doing on Netflix where they've got um, some... You know, like they've got one on the the NBA ref that was that caught up in the the like the point shaving shit, and there's a few other things or whatever that they've got with this untold series. I've seen a few of them. Um, still some that I that I do want to check out, but this one was about the rise and fall of N One, and you know the the N One um shoe company slash the N One mixtapes. Um, pretty good documentary. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm of the era where, you know, N one really started blowing up, like especially with the mixtapes. Those shits really started popping like um around nineteen ninety eight, which is the year that I graduated high school and started college. And me and my boys used to go like by the time I got to college and really kinda started settling in and, you know, hanging out with, with, you know, my crew, which we call ourselves the fam. Shout out to the fam out there. Um, when I really started hanging out with them, like me and the fellas or some of the fellas, we would play ball a lot, right? And one of the things that we used to do to get hype was watch the M1 mixtapes. Because it was like some street ball shit. Um, but it was like, you know, that marriage of hip-hop music and basketball. And those are, you know, two of the things that we loved the most. And, you know, we weren't necessarily going out there trying to do all the crazy shit that we saw in the mixtapes. But it was more just about like the vibe of you know watching cats hoop and then we would go out and we would go we would go play ball like for hours you know like a like a saturday like today being a saturday we'll watch you know we may pop in you know one or two of the mixtapes get hype go to the gym about you know 11 12 o'clock and then go hoop until you know you know about three four o'clock or something like that and then you know get on to whatever we was getting on to after that you know what i'm saying so Really good documentary. If you're a fan of basketball, if you're a fan of hip-hop, then you probably already know about the N1 mixtapes. But even if you do know about them, you may not know the story behind it and, you know, where some of the guys are now. Like, in the documentary, they had, like, um, Shane in the main event. And um, they had Skip to my Lou Ray for Austin. They had a few of the dudes that we used to see on those mixtapes um, in there. And of course, the story of the, the, the company and the people that were behind it and, and how it all, you know, rose and fell. So I would definitely recommend that. Once again, that's called Untold, The Rise and Fall of Anne One. Two more things and then we out of here. Moms and I had been watching the old man on FX. And we had gotten all the way up to um, the penultimate episode. So we had one more episode to go. But we had been dragging our feet on that. And we finally sat down and watched it um, like last weekend. And um, it was cool, man. I feel like the old man started off like really hot. Like those first couple episodes, you know, there was a lot of action. And there was a lot of like, you know, well, you know, trying to figure out like exactly what's going on. And, you know, it was really interesting. But it kind of, for me at least, it kind of like tailed off a little bit. 
um, it slowed down a lot after those first probably maybe three or four episodes. And, you know, the finale was fine. You know, I, I thought the last episode was, it was kind of boring, actually, to me. But, you know, I guess it sets the table for another season. I, I, I know that they've been reviewed for another season, so it kind of sets the table for that. So it's cool. I, I'll, I'll tune in, you know, when um whenever they bring out season two. But it just kind of tailed off a bit for me at the end. But if you're looking for a show to get into, another thing to kind of, you know, at least add to your list of things to watch. I would recommend it. Um, you know, it wasn't a, a bad show or whatever. It just, it started off like kind of with a bang and then, you know, kind of just barely made it to the finish line. But I think it's worth it um, to get into it if you're not already. And like I said, I am interested in seeing where they go from here um, with season two. So we'll let season two happen and then, you know, we'll go from there. And then the last thing, um, yesterday they just dropped the fifth season of Cobra Kai. That was another show that my mom and I were watching together. Eventually she stopped fucking with it somewhere in season four. And, you know, like when you're watching something with somebody else, um, sometimes it's it's kind of hard to like move on with it. So I had actually forgotten all about it or not really forgotten about it, but I kind of put Cobra Kai on a back burner. Um, myself because I was like well shit she don't want to watch it no more so I'll just kind of like save it and see if she decides to come back or whatever then we can just pick it back up but it's been a little while um I think I think when she finally decided that she didn't really want to watch no more was I don't know it might have been like the spring or something like that so it's been a few months but I actually um the other day I decided to pick up wherever we left off at, which at the time we, where we left off, it was about halfway through episode four of season four. So I finished that episode and I watched uh, episode five. So I'm back into it. Um, I don't know when I'll finish the season, but I'll finish season four sometime soon. And then I'll roll into season five. And I actually was telling her about it yesterday. Um, I was like, yo, um, I'll let you know if I think that it's worth it for you to come back, you know, because right now, like I said, she's still not really rocking with it. But um, if it's if if the end of four and season five, you know, look like something I think that she'll be into, then I'll let her know. So we'll see how that goes. But whenever I finish up um, with Cobra Kai, then I'll holler at y'all, you know, about, you know, what I think about how that how that goes. But that's pretty much it, man. Um we're coming up on about 55 minutes here. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Um, check me out on social media. Um, Twitter. At L Brothers Media. At Look Listen Pod. And at South End Cinema. Um, South End Cinema and L Brothers Media on Instagram. Uh, and also LBM Food. If you want to see pictures of food that I've cooked. Over the last couple years, I update that a lot. Um, so, and then also, I'm on TikTok. So, if you if you want to mess with me on uh, TikTok, that's at L Brothers Media as well. And I put all those in the notes. And uh, we'll be back sometime soon with another one of these. And then hopefully, sometime soon, you know, we'll drop a, a different type of podcast. Hopefully, a one a one oh one or something like that on the feed. Um, to give a, a different look, but that's it for now, man. It's your man Leonard.
Audi 5000.